All right, well, welcome everybody to Easter morning. Let's do it again. He is risen. That's for sure he has. And so I got an Easter message here for you this morning. I want to start this morning with Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 5 and 6. It says this, But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Easter Sunday is uh, one of those mornings where people will just go to church all over this, all over the world this morning that wouldn't normally go to church. It's just one of those days that, that uh, the holiday's been around for so long and people just almost maybe like penance, I don't know, go to church, but it's a day they want to come and hear about Jesus on Easter morning. A matter of fact, uh, people will come that don't usually come, and we were laughing this morning here because Papa here, Mr. C, when he first started going to church with Nana, the pastor in front of everybody that morning said, it must be Easter, Walter Chapman's in the house. <laughs> so it's Easter and Walter Chapman's in the house. And so I can remember even as a kid, and we weren't a church family, but I would go Easter morning, Christmas Eve sometimes to, to Mass or a different type of church uh, service. And then Easter morning, I would either go with uh, my sister who went or my grandma, if I was in the prairies at the time, she would take me to Easter service. And um, I enjoyed that morning just because it was, it was, it was so uh, different uh, that morning just hearing the stories and about Easter and hearing the stories about Jesus. And so I would go sit with my grandma and I would hear the Easter scripture. I would hear things like this, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, that would say, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And I would like contemplate that and think, well, that's kind of cool. Because uh, I was already by that time going to church as a kid. Uh, I was just one of them kids. I mean, I was, I was behind the fence, behind my house, drinking and smoking at like 12. So I was glad to hear that I wasn't going on works, my works, that it was by grace and faith alone. And I mean, I wasn't doing that every day, but I was just one of those kids that was getting myself in, in, into trouble. So I would hear these wonderful verses that I didn't have to work my way to heaven and that it was a gift. It was a free gift of God. And that message hasn't changed for 2,000 years that we don't work our way into the kingdom of God. It is by grace through faith. We believe what Jesus did. And the grace of God, the Bible tells us, allows us to come into the presence of God and spend eternity with God. And it's not something that we earn. It is a gift of God. So I would sit there and I would hear those things. And then I would hear scriptures from the preachers and pastors out of Romans chapter 3 that would say things like this in Romans chapter 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so the pastor would say, listen, it's a free gift and you need to understand that you can't make it to heaven through works because everybody has messed up. That all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So no matter how hard we try, no matter how much we do throughout our entire lives, no matter how good we try to be, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's why we can't get there by works is because we mess up and, and I could go around this place and you might lie to me, but if you told me the truth, I could get a lot out of you, I'm sure, that things that you've messed up that you wouldn't want God to know about. Matter of fact, I tell them to the church all the time, if God could take your thoughts right now from the past week and just shoot them up on that screen, every one of us in here would be like headed for the door. We would not want to be in the room. We'd be like, okay, I pass, Right? 
And so it was good to hear that all have messed up, that I wasn't the only one because that's how we get feeling sometimes that we're not good enough for God. So it's a great message to know that we've all messed up. Not just me, everybody around me is messed up and that I can't get there by my good works. It's a gift of God. I need to believe in Jesus Christ. And so I would hear about that and I would hear that in order for me to get there, that Jesus became our substitute, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and I can't get there through my own works. Then how do I get there? It's a gift of God. And the preacher went on to tell me how I got there, that Jesus is the one that went to the cross and paid for our sins and took the punishment of the world, punishment of all of our sins, past, present, and future, onto him, took it to the grave with him and rose on the third day. And so I would hear things like that and I would ponder them and I would think them over and over again that this Jesus, he came off the throne and he lived this sinless life for 33 and a half years and, and he lived a perfect life without sin. And then he went to the cross and it was that act of that cross, that image that I'd seen for years and in different pictures and stuff, I would see that act in my mind and see that Jesus is the one that took all of our pain, all the suffering and all the sin of the world. And the preacher would go on to tell me all I had to do was call upon the name of the Lord and I would be saved. That I wouldn't have to do the works, be good to get there, that I couldn't be good, that I would mess up probably my entire life. I would mess up and still that God loved me enough that he sent Jesus to be the substitute for us, to be the sacrifice for us, and that all who would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And so the pastor often would end with a famous scripture that I'm sure many of us have heard. Oftentimes at football games, you see signs being held up. That's right, John 3:16 in the end zone. And it would say this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but would have everlasting life. And so I would go to these services and these things would just play in my mind and play over my mind. And I never really during those services ever really committed my life to Christ. But what it did was still play in me and play in my mind. And, and I would think about these things and I would pray when I go to bed and I would ponder these things. And at the end of the day, I wasn't ready to commit then, but I knew that God was real and I knew Jesus had something to do with it. And that's what I took into my life. A matter of fact, I wasn't even saved. I haven't even committed to Christ yet. And I would argue on God's behalf with my friends. I would. We would be out and we'd be doing things we shouldn't be and getting intoxicated like we shouldn't be. And the topic would come up and I would argue on behalf of God. I would be like, you guys are crazy. Of course there's a God. And I remember I'd take a spoon if we're at a restaurant or something, I would just chuck it against the wall. I'd say, what do you think? It's just a big bang and we're all here. Just chuck the spoon in the wall and then boom, all of a sudden there's this evolution process that begins and we're all here. And I remember I would just argue this and I hadn't even committed my life to Christ. I didn't look like I had committed my life to Christ, but I would argue on behalf of God. I would argue about the creation and I would tell them things that the Bible said and I didn't even know what the Bible said. I would talk to them and say, all you have to do is just look at creation. Just look in the skies. Just look in the mountains. Are you telling me there's no God? Of course there's a God. I found out later in life that the Bible speaks of that. In Romans chapter one, it says that everybody's guilty, not only because we've messed up, but everybody's guilty because all we have to do is go outside and look at creation, the Bible says, and you become guilty because the God that we serve, that God in the Bible says that all you have to do is look at creation and you can see God's invisible attributes. For you to look at this and say there is no God, you're guilty because there's nothing that could create creation but God. So just by staring at the trees, just by staring at the mountains, just by staring at the clouds, we are already guilty because we know that there must have been a God to create all of this. 
And so I would go through life thinking about this, arguing on God's behalf and not even have committed my life to Christ. And plus, stuff happened to me as a kid that I couldn't explain. Anybody ever had stuff happen to them that they can't explain? I remember the same grandma that used to take me to church. I remember I was laying in my bed one morning and it was early in the morning. It was 3.12. And I can know it was 3.12 because you know the digital clocks beside our bed? You remember the ones that they used to like flip? They were like the, the first digital clocks. They would just flip. And I remember waking up and it went to like that minute. And then I went back to sleep, but I knew something had happened and somebody had spoke to my heart. And so in the morning, the phone rang. It was back then where phones were actually on the side of the wall. And uh, kids, you don't know what I'm talking about. I know, I'll guarantee you. But uh, as a matter of fact, one time I remember we found a, an old rotary phone at the Williams's house there and Jonathan was there and, and, and Dee was there and there was a couple other were there and we, were, we said to them, dial this phone. It was one of the old rotary phones. And they looked at it. They didn't know how to dial the thing. One of them, I think it was my boy, took like one of the holes and put it over the four. And he's like, is that four? They didn't even know how to dial the thing. That's how far advanced we've come in just a few years, right? And so anyways, the phone rang in the morning and my dad picked it up and I was in my room. I couldn't hear the conversation going on. And he walked in my room and he says, Trent, I have to tell you something. And I said, I already know. He says, what do you mean you know? I said, grandma died at three and it gave him the time. And he said, you heard me. I said, no, he, in his whole life, he didn't know whether to believe me or not, but he knew that he hadn't told me the time and that was the time that she had passed away. And so there were things that just happened in my life that were unexplainable. Not only did creation scream God, but there were things that just happened in my life. When I was a kid, I had faith like a kid. As we get older, we start to get a little more pessimistic. You know, I remember another story that, of, of, of a friend of mine that his kid, uh, his grandkid fell in the river and got away from him. And she was going down the river and he thought she was dead. And so he was praying, 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 running down the river. And all of a sudden she was on the side of the riverbank next to a log. And he went up to her and said, how, what happened? How did you get out of the river? And she said, oh, the nice man pulled me out of the river and then disappeared before me. Like stuff just happened. See, not only does creation scream God, but there's just a lot of other things that scream God. You can't wander through this earth. You have to be really shut off to wander through this earth and not see God. And so... That was my life. And so people would argue with me and they would say, well, I don't believe in that. I believe all roads lead to heaven. Or they would say, listen, I do not believe that Jesus is the only way. All roads lead to heaven. And I used to argue with them, like I said. And then I contemplated that over the years and how I would portray that to people if I ever preached and, and what I would say. And one time I was steer wrestling and, and I steer wrestled in my 20s, my late teens and my 20s. It's, I rodeoed almost every other weekend, and steer wrestling was my event. And so coming into one season, um, there was a rodeo magazine that used to come out, and they said that there was steer wrestling clinic was being held at Riverside Arena at a certain date. And there was great bulldoggers there, steer wrestlers that were going to be putting on the clinic. And so I, I told one of my buddies, and I said, we need to get our entry fees in, and we need to go. This is going to be a really great clinic. And so we both agreed to do that, and the day came around, and I loaded up my horse nice and early. And... Uh, headed down the road, headed over the Coquihalla, over phase one, and then over phase two to Kamloops. And I got to Kamloops and I pulled into Riverside Arena and my horse trailer was there. And I was like, all of a sudden it was starting to hit me. There was no other horse trailers there. And so I parked my horse trailer and I went into Riverside Arena and they were playing hockey. And I'm like, this isn't a steer wrestling clinic. Did I get the date wrong? What's going on here? 
And so I ran back to the truck and I still had the magazine in the truck. And I picked up the truck and I looked at it and it was Riverside Arena in Williams Lake. And I'm like, no. And I'm like four or five hours away and I know I'm not gonna make the clinic. And so I called them up and I said what had happened. And, and then I think they were nice enough to give me my entry uh, fees back. But I just thought, oh my goodness, I should have read the fine print. I went to Riverside Arena in Kamloops and I was supposed to be in Williams Lake. And I thought about that later and I thought, my goodness, how many people are journeying through life like that? You know, they think all roads lead to Riverside Coliseum, but they forget to read the fine print. That's what the Bible says. You have to read the fine print that there's only one way to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life, the Bible says, and no man comes to the Father but through me. There's only one way. And you know what? I had really good intentions that day. But did you know that you can be sincerely wrong? You can be sincere about something, but you can be sincerely wrong. So people would say, well, why doesn't God show us then if he's the only way? You know what my answer is now? He does. Not only through creation, not only through your heart, but anybody who reaches out to God, God will meet them. The Bible says if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. The Bible says if you knock, the door will be open. The Bible says you seek, you will find. So people say to me, why wouldn't God show you if there was a way? And my answer is, he does. We should just ask. I'm going to tell one more story about Papa here, Mr. C, then. I'm going to make fun of him one more time. He often tells this story, and it's so funny to me, that one time he was sitting in his house there, in the old house, and he didn't have his glasses on. And there was this fly that was bugging him on the wall. And he kept looking at this fly, and it was bugging him more and more. And so finally, he got up over to that fly, and he took a big swing, and he whacked the fly on the side of the wall, only to realize that Nana had taken down a picture, and a nail was sticking out of the wall, a nail head. And so the nail head stuck into his hand. And you know what? He was very sincere about wanting to kill that fly, but he was sincerely wrong. And had he been wearing his glasses, he wouldn't have made the mistake. And so how does that play into this? Well, you know what? We ask God for something, he'll show us. We ask God for the way he'll show us. And that's my prayer for everybody, no matter what journey you're on this morning. If you are here and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I pray for you. If you're here this morning and you've made Jesus Lord of your life and you're just looking for the next season of your life that God needs to speak to your heart and you want to know what path to go and, and where to be in life. Maybe you just want a new commitment to God. No matter what it is, maybe you're struggling with things on how to walk in the will of God, how to be hospitable, how to be generous, whatever it is, and, and you're wanting God to just meet you for the next season of your life. I'm going to pray for every one of us this morning that God would help us see the way God sees. And I believe that's going to happen. But if you're here this morning... And you know what? I'm, I, I never take anything for granted. I've met people that went to church for 30 years and never committed to Christ until 30 years later. And so I never take anything for granted. So that's the first thing that I want to do this morning on this beautiful Easter morning is if you're in this room this morning and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you've never called on his name, you've never acted out and made a commitment to Christ, I want you to know that Christ is the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life and for eternity. I'm not going to call you out, call you the front this morning. I just want you to know that this is your moment. That as you reach out in faith, God is going to put the glasses on you and he's going to meet you. You draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you. 
Or maybe you're here this morning and you've just, it's been stale. It's been like you believe in God, but it's just been a, a, a hard, hard, hard work this, for the last little while. I'm going to pray for you too. Or maybe you've been here and your journey's pretty darn good right now, but you're just looking for the next phase of your life and to see clearly on the next season of your life. We're going to pray for that as well. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those who have never met you. Father, I thank you that your word is so wonderful and the gift of salvation is so easy. You said that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You said that if we believe in our heart that Christ rose from the dead and confess with our mouths, we will be saved. And if that's you here this morning, you do that between you and God right now. You just speak out to God and you say that I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And you ask him to be Lord of your life and he will come into your life and he will never leave you and never forsake you. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, that's how he'll remove your sin from you. He says he will make, me, make you white as snow and he'll never leave you. And he'll guide you and be with you for eternity. Maybe you're here this morning, it's just been dry. I just ask that you would just right now when the moment's right to just speak to God and say, God, fill me afresh. Make my next season passionate for you. God, revive me. Revive me. Back to my first love. And if you're here and things have been going pretty good and you're just looking for a new view, Father, I thank you that your word tells us that your spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. For those who are here today that are, the journey's good, but they just want to see a new direction. They just want to see a piece of their new season of life so they can begin to move towards that. Father, I thank you right now that you're speaking to hearts. You're making things clear. I thank you, God, that you love us so much and want to be in communion with us every second of every day. In the name of Jesus, amen. Any good? <laughs>